0: So, over the last couple of weeks, we've been, uh, we've been looking at a series which I called Look After Yourself, and this was our series to kick off 2019, and uh, I, I looked at it from two particular perspectives already to see what the Bible tells us about how to keep your head clear. And then last week, we looked at staying alive, how to look after and why we need to look after the physical bodies that God has given us. And then this week, I want to go on to the third part of this, the final part of this series, which asks the question, what feeds your soul? So we talked about keeping our heads clear. We talked about looking after our bodies. And then we come to the question of what feeds your soul? Now, when you come into talking about the soul, um, it, it can be like a little complicated to work out what exactly are we talking about? Uh, The soul is the spiritual, the inner part of the human being. It's the part of us that is the real us. It's the part of us that never dies. And really the question here is, what feeds the inner you? Because knowing that and focusing on that is actually going to give us a life that is fulfilling and that is purposeful. What feeds your soul? Way back in history, Greek philosophers asked the question, what feeds the soul? But somehow, we've, we tend to have lost sight of that in the 21st century for whatever reason, and it's almost like our attention has shifted to, how much can we make? What can we drive? What can we live in? Where can we vacation? How will I retire? And those, all, those things become such a focus of life that many people are living a life they really do not like, they really are not enjoying, even though there are folks who've got everything they thought would give them the satisfaction, but they found that there's still something missing because deep down inside every one of us, there is the real us. There is the soul of us that needs to be satisfied, that needs to be fed. It is so easy to fill our lives with the things that would not be mentioned in our eulogies. So easy. When the time comes, someone, you may need to rent them to find someone, but someone will perhaps stand here one day and say some kind words about me when I'm not here to hear them anymore. And the things I'd like to hear them say aren't about what I own, where I live, what I drive, even how I dress, which you can take it or leave it. (laughs) The things that I'd hope they'd talk about were the things that really I'm passionate about, which is people, which is lifting people up, helping hurting people, and encouraging everyone to find and to live their full potential in God. That's the things I hope that folks would remember. You know why? Because those are the things that really matter to me. And I thank God for the privilege of living for the things that really matter. And what I want to encourage you to do is for you to live for the things that really matter to you. Anne Lamont just, uh, she made this statement. She said, you're not your bank account or your ambitiousness. You're not the old clay lump with a big belly you leave behind when you die. I'm just quoting this, okay? You're not your walking collection of personality disorders. You are spirit. You are love. What feeds your soul. Or as Bob Goff puts that, if you haven't read any Bob Goff stuff, I really encourage you to do that. As as Bob Goff would put it probably, do the things that fill you with joy. Do the things that fill you with joy. What are the things in life that really fill you with joy? If we're to live this life to the full, then you know what? We need to learn how to live with a clear head. We need to take care of our physical bodies, but we need to live this life doing the things that fill us with joy. And what I want to do today is I want to share three things with you that uh, I'm going to identify as things that fill me with joy, and I want to suggest that these could be things that you might focus on as well because the Bible makes it very clear that these things are fundamental to our lives. Do the things that fill you with joy. When I was uh, about 13 years old, I had made a commitment to Christ. was very involved with our church. We had a really good youth group and one of the things we used to do around um, the area at that time was um, a, a, youth, a, a, youth, uh, a youth meeting, a youth group get-together was, was really at that time in our circles, it was like a miniature service really. So, we had our youth group, but it was like a service, but for young people. And now and again, we'd get a youth group from another church to come in, and they'd take over, and they'd do it for the night, and they'd lead the songs, and they'd do this and that. And then one day our pastor said, you know, because he was our youth leader too, he said, we've been invited to this church to go and take their youth meeting. And he said, hey, I'd like you to sing a song. I'd like a couple of you to share your story about what Jesus has done for you. And then he looked at me and said, Roger, I'd like you to preach a sermonette. A sermonette apparently is a mini sermon. Now, some of you might like me to preach a sermonette, but I'm not good at them. So, he said, I want you to do a sermonette. And I said, "Uh, uh, if you help me, I could. And he did. He helped me put some stuff together, and uh, I remember we went to this church, and we we, we did the youth meeting there for them, and I got up, and I had my five-minute sermonette, and I got through it in two minutes, and I sat down and thought, that was a mess. I'm never going to do this again. The week later, my pastor said to me, hey, we've been invited to go to some other church and take their youth group. I want you to do a sermonette again. So, I said, well, uh, can you help me get one? He said, well, the last one was good. I said, I didn't think so. He said, you do the same. So, I went there, and I did the same thing. I don't know when. Maybe it was a year after that. He got our youth group to do our Sunday service in church. He said to me, I'll tell you what we'll do with the preaching time. You take 15 minutes. I'll take 15 minutes. So, now I'm preaching on a Sunday. I'm about 14 years old. Over the period of the next year or two, he gave me more and more opportunities, and then he put word around pastors in the area, if you're sick or if you're on vacation and you're looking for somebody to preach in your church, I've got a young guy who'll come in. And by the time I was 16 years of age, I realized that what I'm doing right now this morning fills me with joy and feeds my soul. And and as I was finishing school, you know, there's kind of options going through your mind and things going through your head. But in the end of the day, I opted for doing what feeds my soul. And I thank God for the privilege of doing that for all these years. But we're all wired differently. We're all gifted differently. And for many of us, I'm not talking about things we'll necessarily do in church, but we do need to live our lives doing those things that fill us with joy, that feed our souls. So let me talk about a couple of things that feed my soul. I'm going to to tell you this. Number one, God's promises fill me with joy. God's promises fill me with joy. What feeds my soul? I'll tell you what feeds my soul. This feeds my soul. This This feeds my soul. We live in the greatest nation there is. Okay, I'll say that again. We live in the greatest nation there is. And and whatever is happening here, there, or anywhere today doesn't change the fundamental facts. But I came to the realization uh, a little while ago that, you know what? I need to listen to the news less, and I need to read this more. Seems like in the news media, everybody's got their own agenda. So you hear the stuff through the filter of what they want us to hear and how they want us to look at things. And, and I stopped listening to a lot of the stuff that I was listening to because I realized this. It was messing with my head. It really was. I could listen to the news and get angry. I could listen to the news and get really, really uptight. You know? And I'm not saying I've stopped it totally Joe. Corrects me now and again because I talk to the television. (laughs) So if the news is on, I correct the newscasters. But in the end of the day, you know something? What I really need in life more than anything else is I need to know and be reminded over and over again what God has to say, who God is, where God is. That's the stuff that really matters. And we started here as a New Year series, and I want to encourage you you know, to make a point this year of connecting over and over again with God's promises and with what God says. That's what really, really matters. To remind ourselves, someone gave us a, a day at a time calendar um, with a scripture on it. Uh, and, and, and you know, that sits in, in our bathroom between the two sinks there. It's right there. So Jill and I got equal opportunity of reading it. And uh, it sits there. And, and you know, one of the first things I see in a day there is that verse for the day. So I hear what God says straight away. I've got a timer set. I'm sure a lot of you do this. I've got a timer set with the Version Bible so that first thing in the morning, every day, it sends me the verse for the day. So I've got that right there. If you haven't done that with your Version app, you, you can do that. So you know what? I'm hearing. It's one verse, but I'm hearing what God's saying. And then I read God's Word for myself because I've got to hear what God says, and I need to be reminded about what God says. In, Job chapter 23 in verse 12 says this. Job says, I have not departed from his commands, from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. When I hear what God says, when I am reminded of God's word, you know what? It builds me up inside. It feeds my soul. When Jesus was being tempted by the the devil before he fully began his earthly ministry, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 4 and verse 4, when the devil was tempting him, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What feeds your soul? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. I need to hear what God says. 20 days into this year, I want to encourage you, find every way you can for what God says to come across your path and to be brought into your life. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will never pass away. This will never get old. It will never get out of fashion, and I will never subscribe to the train of thought that it was written in a particular day for a particular culture. This is the eternal Word of God. So, this is God's Word to you and me today. So, Paul's letter to the Romans is still God's letter to you and to me. So John's epistle to his followers is still what God wants to say to you and me. Every word that Jesus ever uttered, you don't just interpret in, in terms of the culture that he lived in that day. Every word that Jesus uttered is absolutely 100% relevant for the culture that we live in. You know why? Because somewhere in this world, we need to establish a baseline and say, this is the line. It's not whatever works for you, whatever fancy takes you. You just go with the flow, and if you're not hurting anybody else, it's good for you, and nobody should stop you. There has to be a line somewhere, and this is it. This is the life-giving line that God has drawn. God's promises fill me with joy. They feed my soul. The second thing I want to say is this God's presence fills me with joy. God's presence fills me with joy. Psalm 16 and verse 11 You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. In your presence, is fullness of joy. God's presence fills us with joy. Now, you know the beautiful thing about God's presence is Jesus gave us this promise. He said, I'm going to be with you always. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So, the the fact is this, Jesus is always with us. But, but then we, we encounter God in, in different ways, in different environments. And when this morning when I'm saying God's presence fills me with joy, I'm talking about the way in which we experience God's presence when we worship together as church family. What I'm saying is this. One of the things I love most in life, I find most fulfilling, that, fills, that really fulfills and satisfies the inner person is this. It is being able to enjoy God's presence with God's people on a regular basis and sensing God's presence in the way we do it as we worship together corporately. There's something special about that. Are you with me there? There's something incredibly special. I, I so look forward to Sundays. I so look forward to Sundays that I, I, I don't like Saturday evenings because they're not Sundays. And Saturday nights, I've told you before, I've already committed. I I don't go places Saturday nights. Um, I don't want to be out Saturday night. Um, I don't want to be dragging on Sunday morning. And so I keep Saturday nights pretty quiet. But that makes them long because it's not Sunday morning. Because in God's presence, I find fullness of joy. Do what feeds your soul. Did you ever go out of here thinking that was good? That's good. That's five people. That is terrific. (laughs) No, you know what I mean? You you go out of here thinking, wow. Wow. Right? And and I remember I said this so many times when I was a teenager, none of my family knew Christ and none of them was in church. And and I'd I'd come out of church like, wow. And then I'd go home and and it was like... um, uh, Nobody. Yeah, did you get on okay? Yeah, it was really, but they didn't want to know. They were just acknowledging you walked in the door, really. It wasn't really a question. And you couldn't explain it really anyway. It's like you've got to be there, and you've got to experience it, and you've got to feel it. I can't explain it, and I can't describe it, but in God's presence, my soul is fed. Do what feeds your soul. Psalm 122 in verse 1. David said this. He said, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. It's Sunday. Yay. It's raining. Who cares? You go to work when it rains. You go to events when it rains. We go to church when it rains. And we get wet. But it's all good. But it's all good. My heart leaped for joy, he says, when they said, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Some of the happiest days of my life have been spent right here. They really have. Somebody said to me the other day, like, we're talking about you know the great problem we have of, of so many people now worshiping with us on Sundays. And, and somebody said to me, Well, you know, when you look at three services we did at Christmas, you look pretty shocked by the end of three services. I said, No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I want to tell you this, I could do 13. I don't know how you'd fit that in in the course of, you know, but I could do 13. I'll keep I keep going. You know why? You, you, you know why? Because I love I love to be with God's people. I love to be worshiping the Lord, and there's no place on earth that I'd rather be than be here today. And and that's what I want to encourage you, now i, I got a pretty good idea, you know, there may well be some, you know, some folks who are normally with us, and you decided today wouldn't be a good day to come out, and you're watching right now on Facebook Live. And others of you that are a regular with us on Facebook Live, I, I run into people all the time who will say to me, oh, I watch you on, on Sundays. Oh, I was, I've been there every Sunday. I, I want to I say, if you're watching, thanks for watching, but you're only getting part of this. You're only getting part of the experience because we only upload the preaching segment of our Sunday mornings on the Facebook Lives for a number of reasons. There are complications in uploading our worship music. But the fact is, if you're watching online, you're not getting the benefit of the worship time with the band and the worship music, and they are fantastic. You know, they really are. They are absolutely terrific. You're not getting the benefit of that. If, you're not getting the benefit of, of just interaction with other like-minded people. You don't even get to eat our bagels. <laughs> My Lord. But, but the whole ex, it's the whole experience, isn't it? It's the interaction with other people. It is being able to sing God's praise with our band. It is listening to the Word of God. It's the whole thing. So what I want to encourage you to do, I know we're almost three weeks into the year, is really, if this feeds your soul, make it a priority this year. If you're watching us on Facebook Live on a regular basis and live in the area, we'd love you to actually come and experience the full thing of our Sunday mornings here at Genesis. We'd love you to be here. In, in God's presence. In God's presence things happen. One of the things one of the things that I love about being in God's presence is this. You're kind of relaxed, right? Because in God's presence, I don't fret, because I know I belong. Romans eight sixteen says, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We are God's children. In God's presence, we belong, so we relax. When I go into my house on a, on a Sunday after church, I go in, and the first thing I do is I kick my shoes off. Then I go get changed. Now, if I was coming over to your house on Sunday afternoon, I wouldn't walk in the door and kick my shoes off unless I felt you wanted me to do that. I certainly wouldn't come to your house in the things I'm dressed in in my house on a Sunday afternoon. But the fact is this, I'm home. And when I'm home, I'm totally relaxed, and when I'm home, I'm totally at ease, and when I'm home, I don't have to be put on airs and graces, and when I'm home, I don't have to be on my best feet. Well, yeah, I do. Anyway... But you get the feeling because I'm home. And one of the things I love about God's presence is this. I don't come into God's presence. I don't come into worship like I'm not sure if I belong here. I'm not sure if I should be here. I'm not sure if God wants me to be here. The fact is in God's presence, I don't fret because I know that I'm his child. And you connect with God in a special way when we do it together in this setting. I don't fret in God's presence. And then in God's presence, I get strengthened, so I don't faint in God's presence. I am energized. I am supported, strengthened, built up by so many others that are around about me. So actually, I get strengthened in God's presence. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I want to tell you, some Sundays I talk to people as they come in, and they come in carrying huge burdens on their shoulders, but the reality is what, what it says there on the screen happens for them in the course of our worship service. They rise up. They renew their strength. So when they go out of here, they were dragging coming in, but going out of here, they're rising up like eagles. They're ready to move forward. Why? Because when we're in God's presence, it fills us with joy. It feeds our souls. Listen, if you make Sunday morning the thing you do when you've got nothing else to do, you're missing it. And your soul is going to suffer. We need to focus our lives on the things that feed our souls. And make sure they happen before everything else happens. In Psalm 92, verse 12, it says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of of the Lord. People who do research into, into church um, patterns say that the average churchgoer in the United States now attends church once, uh, one Sunday out of three. It used to be twice a month, but it's kind of gone down a little. Because our lives get full of so many other things. And there's so much to do and so much to take care of and such a limited time at the weekend. But if you if you let your focus drift from the things that feed your soul, you are going to be left with a life you're not happy with. You're going to be left feeling drained and strained and pulled in every direction. But if you focus on what feeds your soul, on being planted in the house of the Lord, you're going to find that you're going to be able to soar with the eagles, planted in the house of the Lord. Like, I need this. And we all do. Do what feeds your soul. In God's presence, I'm strengthened. I don't faint. And you know, in God's presence, I don't fear. My faith is built up. Psalm 18, verse 28 says this It says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. That's a great statement, isn't it? Some of us would really agree with that. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. You're the one who's keeping me going. My God turns my darkness into light. Look at this. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Amen? Amen. Some will say, with my God and a ladder, I can scale a wall. But anyway. So he's saying, God, you're the one. You're the one who turns darkness into light. And you're the one that gives me the courage to go against and to confront the things that are really troubling me. And in God's presence, our faith is built up. So we come in sometimes on a Sunday with our problems huge and maybe God being small. And then in the course of our worship, we are reminded how big God really is. And against the bigness of God, the fact is the greatest of our worries is really minute. God's presence fills me with joy. And and then the third thing is this. God's purposes fill me with joy. Let me explain this one. Jesus came to a place once, and John's gospel tells us a story. He came to a place uh, in Samaria, and He came, and it was lunchtime. And the disciples said to Jesus, "Um, where are we going to eat? And and he said, go get holy chicken. There's Chick-fil-A nearby. And and so he, um, anyway, they they went to get lunch. And Jesus stayed there at a well side. And and a lot of you will know this story. There's a woman came um, to get water from the well. And nobody would normally come at the heat of the day. She came because nobody actually wanted anything to do with her. uh, So she didn't come when the regular... Uh, when the other people came for their water earlier in the day. She came so she'd avoid that crowd because she was a woman with a very checkered background and was still living quite a colorful life. And Jesus talked to her. And Jesus said to her, you're getting water from the well, but I can give you the water that's going to satisfy you. Satisfy your soul. And she at that point came to receive and acknowledge Christ as her Savior and as her Lord. And then it says this in in verse 34 of that chapter. It says, meanwhile, his disciples, so they'd come back now and they brought the sandwiches. His disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. They said, Lord, we got the lunch. Jesus said, no, I'm good. They said, so where did he get food from? He said, no, you don't understand. He said, you know what satisfies me? You know what feeds me? What feeds me is doing the will of the one who sent me and finishing his work. That's my food. That's what satisfies me. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, when he sent his followers out to preach, here's what he said to them. He said, bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. I want us to have a look at that. If we could keep that up there, Lynn, for a while, please. The, Jesus said, you know, what, you know what feeds me? What really satisfies me, Jesus said, it's doing the will of the one who sent me. And here now in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, he sends his disciples out. This is what he wants them to do. And doing this is going to satisfy them. And doing these things will satisfy us too. And so Jesus said, bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. And you know what? If we as individuals and if we as a church, if we do these things that Jesus sent us to do, then we are going to find they are going to be things that fill our lives with satisfaction. So Jesus said, go and heal the sick. <laughs> you know, I look at that and say, okay, Rog, so where to start? I'll tell you where to start. good place to start is if you feel it's appropriate and if you feel it's right, if someone's sick, offer to pray with them. Is that okay? The Bible says we should do that. We could do that. That's a good starting point. But you know this, going beyond the realm of physical sickness, we live in a world that's sick. We live amongst people that are sick. And God is healing every one of us from our own degrees of sickness. And healing the sick is not just about. It is not only about those that are physically ill, we should pray for, but it's f- much further than that. How do we bring health to those that are sick? Maybe we love them. Actually, let's… I going to say that again. I'll take out the maybe. How do we bring health to those that are sick? We love them. Whenever we're sick physically, there's a reason. When people are sick, in their disposition, in their mindset, there's a reason. And the Bible says this. It says that love will cover a multitude of sins. We love them. God did not tell us to love people that are easy to love. He just told us to love. God didn't tell us to love the people who were good to us. He just told us to love. And when we love sick people, and we see them coming to health, nothing's going to feed your soul greater than that does. Jesus said, bring health to the sick. He said, raise the dead. I, I've seen Christians get really caught up and uptight about this, um, you know, who've kind of gone into funeral homes and said, I need to pray, you know, for someone they knew. I need to pray for them. And what's wrong with us? We can't raise them from the dead. And, and I want to tell you this. If you look through the New Testament, Jesus raised three people from the dead in the course of His earthly ministry. Three people. Jesus did it three times. I've heard stories and I've talked to people who've been in situations where people have been raised from the dead. Not often, very rarely, but I want to tell you this. I've heard people say, you know what, if, if, if we could just, ra- if, if, if we prayed, if God would just raise them from the dead, you know what, that miracle would make so many people believe. And you know, Jesus said something quite different to that. He at one point said, he said, if they won't believe what they've got in the word already, then they won't believe even if somebody rose from the dead. I tell you what makes people believe in Jesus. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's very simple and I've said it already today. I'm going to tell you what helps people to see Jesus. Love helps them to see Jesus. How do how do we help people who are dead? And I'm not talking about dead dead. I'm talking about the walking dead. You should make a TV series about that. I'm talking about the walking dead. I'm talking about people that are living but not living. I'm talking about people who are going through the motions. I'm talking about people who are not happy with their lives. I'm talking about people who can see no point in their lives. I'm talking about people who've got no idea how they're ever going to move forward. And you know how we raise them from the dead? We love them, and we love them, and we love them, and we love them. And one of the greatest miracles I have ever seen, and they're here this morning, they're all around this place this morning, is men and women who came into this place the walking dead, the living dead. They came in here that way, but God has made them truly alive. That feeds my soul. That feeds my soul. And you know what? So much of that has come as a result of you loving people and you caring about people and them then wanting to know about your Savior and about your church As we love other people, God raises them from the dead. 2 Corinthians 1.9 says this. Paul says, "We we felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. That's where we were, he says. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. What fills me with joy? (laughs) Resurrections. God raising the dead. God giving life to those who were lifeless. Jesus said, raise the dead. This is the will of the Father. This is what will feed your soul. He said, touch the untouchables. Kick out demons. And I'm not necessarily talking there about exorcisms. I'm talking about the demons that people fight and face often for a lifetime. And you know how you help them find freedom from their demons? One word, love, love, love. And as people are freed. I talked to somebody yesterday And uh, they said to me, I just want to let you know that I've been clean and sober for nine months now. And I said, praise God. It's like, you know what? Free from their demons. Free from their demons. Touch the untouchable. Kick out demons. Live generously. Acts 20 verse 35, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Living generously is, 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 is doing the will of the Father. Living generously then is gonna feed our souls. Isn't it more blessed to give than to receive? Isn't it? I mean, it comes into natural life. Christmas time, you've got children in your family. You know, folks say to you, what do you want for Christmas? I'm good. I don't need anything. What you want is you want to see the joy in their faces, and you want to see the happiness that they get from receiving. And the reality is, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Jesus said, if you live this way, you're going to be satisfied. If you're all the time saying, I need, I need, I want, I want, you know what? You're going to live a very dried up existence. What feeds your soul? What feeds your soul? Because if you live focused on what feeds your soul, you will truly live. We need to find it, identify it, and prioritize what feeds your soul. Ian Thomas wrote this. He said, every day the world will drag you by the hand, yelling, this is important and this is important, and this is important. You need to worry about this, and that, and that. And each day, it's up to you to yank your hand back, put it on your heart, and say, no, this is what's important. Live for the things that really matter. Looking after yourself means I focus on what feeds my soul. Isaiah 55 in verse 2, and I'm going to close with this now. It asks this question, why do you spend money for what is not bread? What is it going to feed you? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Why are you spending your time, your money, your energy on what isn't satisfying? Jesus says, if you'll draw from me, then you're going to live a life that is an abundant life, that is a full life, that is a satisfying life. You will never find what God's got for you, the fullness of life that Jesus offers If you keep on the outside, you've got to focus on the things that feed your soul. Let's pray together.